Hi, I'm Paul Heaney, and welcome to Design World's Technology Tuesdays podcast for June 23rd, 2015. Thanks for joining us. Today's topic is fluid power, and I'm speaking with Dan Foss, Vice President of R&D, Jeff Heron. All right, Jeff, what can you tell us about how Dan Foss sees the industry trend toward integrated systems and the concept of Industry 4.0, and, and how are you all uh, active in pursuing solutions that include not only components and hardware, but also into the electronics and software end of things? Yeah, so Paul, we've been uh, in Dan Foss and, and really reacting to what we've seen happening in the industry over the last five years. and. What's really kind of precipitated it from our side is the increasing need for functional integration in the design of a machine. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that means is basically the, the functional integration between engines, between hydraulics and mechanics, which are generally the power transmission devices, um, and then also the control systems on these machines to operate vehicles much closer to the, to the limits. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it be emissions regulations, maximum efficiency for fuel savings, uh, maximum productivity for ROI reasons related to these machines. Uh, these are all the drivers that, that take us towards um, functional integration. Um, it also seems to be nowadays that functional integration means at its heart electronics and software. Um, as engines are you know, commonly controlled by electronics and software, hydraulic systems are also commonly controlled by electronics and software. So mm-hmm. these are kind of the functional areas where we invest and try to ensure our tool chain, but also our competency is uh, at par to be able to support our customers as best we can. Makes sense. You know, we hear so much about big data. Is there a part of big data that you think is going to affect engineers, specifically engineers who, you know, dabble in the fluid power arena over the next few years? Sure. I, I think one obvious one is big data um, originates with sensed information. And the idea that uh, even down at a component level, for example, of a hydraulic pump or hydraulic valve, um, the ongoing pressure to do more and more integration of sensors Mm-hmm. Um, into the design of our of our platforms is going to be one of those uh, challenges to the engineering community and especially companies like Danfoss we've got such a broad portfolio of uh, products already um, and we're going to be faced with the challenge of updating uh, these products to ensure that they're future future proof <laughs> mm-hmm. in regard to the uh, to the acquisition of sensors and whatnot the other piece of it of course is uh, you know not only on the hardware side but the the soft side of how to manage that data in provide integrated solutions where data and control um, are within a common platform. Um, Many of the platforms, again, for control systems uh, dating back even five years um, may not have anticipated this this emergence of more and more pull for data solutions. So, Mm -hmm. uh, again, future-proofing our our, uh, our software platforms and control systems platforms to enable this type of analysis, which can also burn uh, a lot of computational power, if you will, uh, onboard vehicles is kind of the current challenge for us. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much out there that we, we hear constantly on the, you know, whether you want to call it Industry 4.0 or the, the Internet of Things or big data. I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, Jeff, uh, is the media tends to blow some things out of proportion from time to time. Is, is there any part of this that you think is more marketing than reality, or is, or is there part of Industry 4.0 that you think uh, is a little bit more, uh, uh, a little less susceptible to our reality in the next few years? 
Well, good question. I mean, I, you know, my my test on evaluating the the readiness or the real meat and potatoes value on these types of initiatives is always always looking at the end consumer and trying to understand what value this this data or this technology is really going to bring that consumer and and what it's worth to them when it comes to having to uh, to implement that. So one of the things that I can see in certain application and, and customer segments is this this um, this service or value add of predictive maintenance mm-hmm. um, is, for me, a little bit of a no-brainer mm-hmm. that there are certainly some applications in regions of the world where there's an extremely high value um, sure. for an operating machine to have the capability to anticipate issues and even get service parts uh, readily to a machine so that you can maximize uptime. Um, and, you know, that's that's limited today only by our ability to deliver the service <laughs> in, in a good way. Sure. Um, other, other parts of it, of creating... You know, nodes on machines where every node's a, a communicating node, and we have maximum uh, capability to independently control uh, components. Yeah, that's kind of a vision mm-hmm. that will it'll evolve in that direction. But you don't do those things just to do them. There's got to sure. be some kind of a, a functional need <laughs> on that machine that Definitely. makes that design proven. And so, I think it's there's probably some short-term wins, and then it's it's more of a trend that will will occur over the coming years. We'll start to see more and more of these service offerings where the value add will you know initially be application dependent, but will eventually take over the the industry as it evolves. Sounds good. I know Dan Foss has been active in promoting you know OEM supplier partnerships with more um, co-design at the machine level and, and a lot of collaboration and customization. Can you tell us a little bit about that? You bet. Yeah, and so I, it, getting back to some of the earlier comments, I mean, we've we've had a we've had ever since the first introduction of the Tier Four standards uh, came into our industry, you know, several years ago now, uh, we've seen an uptick really in in our customer base uh, reaching out to suppliers like Dan Foss for higher value services, and and what I mean by that is, you know, design services from the subsystem level. Where they put their trust in in Danfoss to come up with a complete solution um, for a particular subsystem or many subsystem on machines, um, but also when it comes to validation. I mean, at the end of the day, our OEMs um, are looking to reduce risk on new machine introductions, um, accelerate time to market of those machines, while at the same time having flexible solutions to give them customization potential. Um, so Danfoss, you know, we've we've invested a lot in the last five to seven years with systems competency in our engineers. Um, we've de- we've developed and have have deployed for many years now a a complete uh, development solution package for software. And then one of our more recent investments is towards the application development centers, where we we work with customers directly to validate our solutions on machines. Which again, thereby reduces um, reduces their risk and also their time to market uh, over the overall solution. Mm-hmm. Um, so, at least some examples of what Dan Foss has been doing in that area. Do you think there's a, a shifting focus on mechanical design toward uh, toward software and data or subsystem integration? Yeah, I would say it, I'd say it maybe this way. It's uh, the the nuts and bolts of the industry, the the mechanical engineering, the design of of high-pressure um, hydraulic components is still always going to be the base because at the end of the day, uh, the, the systems that we design depend on world-class components that can not only survive the robust 
and, and robust sense the harsh environment of off-highway machines, but also hit the operating speeds, temperatures, and pressures that we need. Um, what we see happening, though, is the, the focus and the differentiation elements for our customers when it comes to how their machine acts and feels different than their competitors' machines is moving out of mechanics and into software and, and, and electronics. Um, so what that means for us is when we go out and we do our career fairs and we look for the next uh, breed of, of outstanding engineers to help uh, help us create the future, you know, the balance our balance is shifting, um, not necessarily 100%, but towards those folks who kind of have a cross-functional view of design, maybe people who are capable with not only mechanical design, but are also capable of writing application software or working at a system level um, and taking advantage of some of those design competencies. So the, the balance is shifting, the focus is shifting. It, it'll, we'll never move away at, at its core from uh, having to be really clever mechanical design engineers, but uh, we definitely see a need to grow in, in this other dimension as we move forward. Sure. One last question, Jeff. So I think it's a pretty interesting uh, job you had there. Ha- job you have there as a head of R and D, and and certainly part of your uh, your job, I'm sure, is to solve the problems of of uh, you know the Danfoss engineers as well as as your customers. So I'm kind of curious what what issues keep you up at night. Yeah, it's a good question, Paul. You know, the, the biggest challenge that I have in Danfoss, and I'm sure is is common across many uh, you know large enterprises in our business, is Information management. We've got we've got expertise um, within Danfoss across a wide variety of platforms, a wide variety of technical disciplines. Our challenge is how do we how do we bring the right resources with the right competency to bear on the right projects? In <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, there's a geographical challenge there where sometimes our competency is not in the region that we need it to be deployed because. One of the principles is as we work with customers on solutions, we want to be right around the corner. We don't want to have to support customers across an ocean, <laughs> as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's fair to say that not all of our um, regions have the same level of competency on different subsystems on machines. So sure. we, talk, we talk a lot about you know, data flow and, and management or information flow, um, but it's very much as, as much about making sure we have a good understanding of our competencies and where they're located and how best to bridge those challenges where the competency isn't right next to the location it needs to be in. I'm sure that's a, a challenge for many companies today. <laughs> I would think so. Well, Jeff, thanks so much for uh, spending a few uh, moments of your time with us today, and uh, we appreciate your, uh, your insights. It's my pleasure, Paul. Appreciate it. Thank you again for listening. You can subscribe to Design World's Technology Tuesdays podcasts or simply check out some other episode at soundcloud.com slash design hyphen world. And you can always get the latest need-to-know engineering information at www.designworldonline.com. Hope to see you next time.